Welcome to Evangel Church, where we believe in seeing changed lives changing lives. I believe that today, this message that I'm sharing, the Lord has put it on my heart as a part of a series of messages called Greater Than, um, truly has the power to change our lives, to help us to walk free from some things that I believe have been standing in the way of believers for many years, uh, myself included. I always know that sometimes a message has to get to you. It has to filter through me at times if I'm the one sharing it. And uh, don't think your pastors don't walk through these messages and have to live out them. And I know for this in particular that this is something that the Lord needs to teach each one of us. The purpose of this series has been of greater than is it because it's because I truly believe from the depths of my being that 2017 will be a greater year than we've ever experienced before. It'll be a greater than 2016, that God has something in store for us. In this season, an opportunity for you and I to take advantage of, to lean into, and to experience the fullness of his blessing and his promises. Does anyone else believe that? I, I know that I do. I know for your life, in, in, in your own life, in your own family, in, in your own journey that you're walking on, that I believe that this year can be a greater year, a greater than you're greater than what you've experienced before greater than the trials that maybe you faced in the past you know what no one none of us sign up and say you know what let me just enter into a year that's going to be less than anything else we, that's not what we're desiring we desire our God who is so awesome so mighty so powerful um, as we take him at his word as we look I believe there are principles in the word of God that if we continue to apply them and understand them in our lives, that we can begin to move from where we are today, especially if you're stuck today, today especially if you feel like you've just been spinning your wheels and you're not seeing movement in your life, that you can move from whatever place that might be into a greater place of, of really preparation and release into what God has for you. There's transitioning that's happening in the lives of many, and God is preparing you for something greater. He has something greater in store for you. And so let's take uh, God at his word to it. lean in, listen. Um, Lord Jesus, I pray today that you'd speak through your word, that I uh, hide behind your cross, Lord, and that these would not be my words, Lord God. I believe uh, wholeheartedly, Lord, that this message, Lord God, has the power to change our lives, Lord God. And so come now, Lord. It can't come through my words or my eloquence. It will only come by the power of your Holy Spirit. Make this word alive in our hearts, Lord God. May each one of us leave here differently, Lord God, not because of what we've done, but because of who you are, Lord God. Give us a revelation of who you are today that will change us forever. In Jesus' name, amen. As I said, this one area has the power to change everything. And so would you open with me to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, as you're turning there, I'm going to catch you up to the story at, at the point of where we find ourselves this morning. Numbers chapter 13 is picking up on the story of the children of God after they've been released and set free from Egypt. This is during the time of Moses. Moses was risen up as the leader of God's people. God heard their cries when they were slaves in Egypt, and he said, I've come to bring you freedom and not just bring you out of Egypt but to bring you into a new place, a new land, a new uh, promised land. You know what I love is that God hasn't just set us free from our old life. God has a new life waiting for us. God hasn't just brought us out of a place of darkness and brokenness. God is bringing us somewhere. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. A place that he desires you to be. A way that he desires you to walk and to live your life. And today if you're stuck 
if you're in process, somewhere between that place of being rescued and walking through and, and before you've received and walked into that place, you might find yourself in what feels like a wilderness. And oftentimes we're so discouraged when we go through seasons that are like a wilderness experience in our lives. But I need you to know something. There is a preparation that happens in the wilderness. Not only has God prepared a place for you, but he's preparing you for that place as well. He's working in your life and in your heart to make you ready to receive the blessing, the, whatever it is that's waiting on the other side of that place. And so, so there's a wilderness experience that many will walk through. The children of God walk through that wilderness experience. And they're literally in a wilderness. And as they're walking through the wilderness, um, they're walking around. It should have been around an 11-day journey, but at the time we pick up in the story, it's two and a half years into that journey in the wilderness. But something magnificent has happened. They've wandered through the wilderness back and forth and all around in circles and doubted God and grumbled and all these kinds of things. But now, in Numbers 13, they're standing on the edge of the promised land looking in. They're at the edge of a place that God had not just promised to them, but had promised to their, to their ancestors, not just to their grandparents, but to their great-great-great-grandparents, that this was a place that had been spoken about from generation to generation. And the people that trusted God, the people that loved the Lord, you'd have that person, he'd be well up in his years, and he'd be sitting there. I think of someone, Joseph. Joseph, who got so old and lived such a long life, experiencing the blessing of God because he rescued him. He took him from a pit and put him into a palace. Don't think God can't rescue you from whatever you're walking through today, right? He took him from a pit to a palace. And he was so certain. He was so certain that one day they would reach this place. He said, don't bury me in Egypt. Don't bury me here. Pick up my bones and carry my bones. And when you get in that place, then you bury me because I know God is going to do it. I know God will one day bring us to that place. And so for those years, for these two and a half years, people are literally carrying his bones around in the wilderness. Talk about someone that trusted God. That's the story that's coming down. And so here they are. They're standing at the edge of it, like right at the edge of something that God had been promising them for so long, something that was so beautiful, something that, that they knew was a part of God's promise to them. That's why they called it the promised land. And they're waiting to go in. They're waiting to enter in. And so Moses, where we pick up in the story, he's about to release some people to go out and see what it's all about. In Numbers 13, starting in verse 17, he says, When Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, he's releasing them to go and check it out, 12 people. He says, Go up into Negev and then go up into the hill country and see what the land is like and whether the people who live in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many. Give us a lay of the land. Is it really as good as God said it is? Is it really a land that's flowing with milk and honey? And so these 12 spies go into the land, and they're not trying to be seen or known. But they go into the land, and they begin to look around, and there's some people that are living there. There are some obstacles that stand in front of them. There are some people that are in the places that God promised that they would one day be. And so they went, and they looked around, and they came back to bring a report and it's what happens when they come back to bring that report that we have to hone in on and learn from today. Here's what it says if you continue to go down in chapter 13 to verse 30. It says in Caleb, Caleb and Joshua are two of those that led and went in as two of the spies. Caleb quieted the people before Moses. And here's what he said. 
They said it's a land flowing with milk and honey. There are many uh, incredible things there, and there are many people there. And this is his report, though, and what they should do. He said, we should by all means, with everything we have, we should absolutely go up and take possession of the land, for we will surely overcome it. But, oh, this is not where we want to see a but in the story. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people. They are too strong for us. They, they gave out the sons of Israel. They gave them a bad report, the Bible says in verse 32, of the land which they had spied out. And they said, the land through which we have gone in spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw are men of great size. We even saw the Nephilim, which were these kind of superhuman people in the, in the, in the Bible times. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. They said, here's what happened. We saw these men that seemed so much bigger than us. We felt like grasshoppers. And then they began to look at us like grasshoppers. That's going to be important for us to come back to. We became like grasshoppers in their sight. There are two choices that could be made. And as we stand on the edge of whatever it is that God has planned for you in 2017, and there are things that are planned for you, because what they're saying, what one of the reports is, from those that come back that are very alarmed, is it's too big for us. This is bigger than we are. They are bigger than we are. I want you to know there are some things that are waiting for you in 2017 that are so much bigger than you are. And so you're going to have a choice, a choice on how you respond to that, a choice at how you stand on the edge of that and what you're going to do. And there's a choice that's made here. It's a choice that's called for from every one of us at some point in time or another in our lives. It's a choice that's so critical, so important, that it is the difference between a year and a life that will be greater than or less than what God has for you. And that choice is will we live, will we walk, will we move by faith or by fear? Will we live by faith or by fear? And I want to tell you today that by faith is greater than by fear. But for many of us today, if we're honest with ourselves, by fear is much greater than by faith in our lives. If we would take the sum total of what we're doing by faith and what we're doing by fear, by fear outweighs it completely. You know what? Fear is contagious. Fear becomes contagious. I don't know how many people when they got into the land, because they were there for 40 days, the Bible says. I don't know how many of them got gripped with fear when they got into the land. But by the time they get back, there are two people that are ready to walk by faith into the land, and there are ten people, five times that amount, that are gripped with fear that say, don't do it. That say, they say, don't do it. We know that fear becomes so contagious among the people, that before long, the whole camp, all the people of Israel, begin to become overwhelmed by it. Look what it says if you go down to verse 1 of chapter 4. It's, or chapter 14, it says, Then all the congregation lifted up their voices, and they cried, and the people wept that night. And all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, Listen, the whole congregation of people said, Just by that night, I mean, it just, it just, the fear just spread through the land. Would that we have just died in the land of Egypt. 
What that we have just died in the wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones are going to become plunder. Would not it be better for us just to return to Egypt? Wouldn't it just be easier and better for us just to return to Egypt? So they said to let us to one another, let us appoint a new leader and let us return to Egypt. Here's what I want you to know today. That fear will always keep you from stepping into the plans and purposes that God has for you. Fear will always hold you back. It will always restrict you. It will always call you to retreat back from what God has in store for you. To step out of it. To retreat from it. This kind of fear that we're talking about. But there's a great definition that some have picked up on. On what fear really is. Not not the fear of the Lord that we talk about, which is an awe and reverence, but this kind of fear that really limits us and holds us back from stepping forward into what God has in store for us. That kind of fear is really this. It's not fact, it's fear. It is false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. There's some evidence that was there. There's some evidence that was out in the land. They were big. They were great. They were mighty. But guess what? It was false evidence. Because as big as they were, the God that these people served and that promised that land to them was bigger. So it wasn't true. It was what they saw, but what they saw was false evidence. And it very much appeared to be real. It says, this seems. It seems to be. And so, you know, here, here, here's, here's what fear really is. Fear says, when fear comes in, it's saying, my problem is bigger than I am. Fear comes into your life when your problem seems bigger than you are. That's where, that's where fear really comes into your life. And as, as it seems that way, as it appears that way in your life, as it appears to be the reality that you're facing, fear kind of comes in and grips you. Before long, if you hear that, and it, become, it can become so contagious, um, fear. I don't know if you've ever been around that and, and experienced that, but before long, so many people can just get swept up in it. Faith can become contagious as well as people experience that. And we see that by the way that the early church began. And on the day of Pentecost, all 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus. Faith became contagious on that day. Because you know why? There was some real evidence. There was some real evidence that was there that overcame any false evidence, and the people were able to put their hope and their trust in the Lord. So there's this fear that's kind of sweeping through the land. There's this fear that's gripping all the people, that's pulling at them from every angle. And they're saying, we're not going into the land. We're staying here. In fact, we're going to retreat. One of the things that I learned as I've kind of been praying through this passage and just thinking about the idea of fear woven through the fabric of Scripture is that fear always has this kind of it's always connected to this retreating, this backing off, this hiding away, this stepping back, not moving forward. We don't only move forward in fear. We move backwards in fear. But the first place you see fear, it's very interesting in the Bible. If you go back all the way into the garden, that we don't see fear show up in the story until after sin has shown up in the story. After the people, Adam and Eve, broke their relationship with God. Fear now enters the equation. And before long, they are doing what? When, when God comes looking for them in the garden, they're hiding away. They're hiding away and they're covering themselves up. And the Lord calls out to them and says, where are you? And they said, we're sorry. We heard you and we became afraid. This is, this is an, an idea whenever someone begins to learn what it means to be afraid. They're, they were awakened to fear in that moment where what used to not 
make them afraid at all, where they used to have this loving, trusting relationship with Lord, where they used to have dominion over the animals. I mean, are there some animals that can make you afraid if, if, uh, if that fence isn't working at the zoo? Yeah, there's some, there's some animals that you, you, you know, you give it another look. You know, I mean, I'm not looking to jump into the lion's den anytime soon. <clears throat> That's the response we have. But do you know there was a time where they had dominion over all the animals in creation? Like, that's part of what God had entrusted to them. Just to think that how fear enters into the equation. But there's also someone that's connected to that. There's someone that is called the deceiver, the liar. The one who spoke and led them down that road that gave them a choice to disobey God, which they ultimately did. There's an enemy that caused them to walk in such a way that now fear is also a part of what they experience as a part of their broken relationship with God. Fear enters into the story. And who's there right in the background? The enemy, the devil. What I see here is that the devil has many tools and many schemes that he'll use to come against the people of God and the purposes of God. But I believe, by and large, one of his most effective is fear. I believe fear is a tool that can be used to keep us, to hold us back, to paralyze us. I don't know if you've ever been in that place where you've been so afraid in a moment that you literally couldn't move. You became paralyzed by fear. Is there anyone here, show of hands, that you've experienced that in your life where you know you're supposed to do something, but you just kind of like you're, you're, you're afraid you can't move? That, that's it. That's a picture of what happens with fear. When we become overcome by fear, we become paralyzed. We become held back from stepping into what God has for us. But there's an answer for that. There's an antidote for that. There's, there's something that God has. It's faith. And faith has the ability for us to overcome fear when we trust God who is greater than whatever it is that we're facing. You see, whenever we look at those things, we can say, yes, that circumstance, it's greater than I am. It's bigger than I am. It seems bigger than me and bigger than my circumstances, bigger than my capacity. But it's not bigger than my God. And that's what faith says. It says, yes, I can see how big it is, but I see that my God is bigger. I see how great this need is, but I know my God is a provider. Like, when we can trust God in that way, we're beginning to walk by faith. By faith isn't just weighing what we can see. In fact, it's trusting more in what we can't see than what we can see. And it's trusting what we can't see so much and so hard and so long that we begin to see it. We begin to see the very thing that we're trusting God for. And with that kind of faith, God does the miraculous. He does the impossible. When people take him at his word, they're walking and living by faith. And we see in Scripture that there's a whole chapter devoted to this very idea that living by faith is greater than living by fear. And I I just felt led today as we were worshiping the Lord that I want you just to listen to this. I'm going to do my best to read it as passionately as I can to you, okay? I want God's word to come alive to us today. Maybe you've heard these verses before, but I want you just to close your eyes for just a moment, and I want you just to listen to what happens when God's people take him at his word. Are you ready, church? Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that everything that we see was made out of what is invisible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man 
When God spoke well of his offerings, by faith he still speaks even though he's dead. By faith Enoch was taken up from his life so that he didn't experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For he had, before he was taken, God commended him as one who pleased God. You see, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things that were about to come, in holy fear he built an ark. In holy fear. Fear of God, not fear of man or anything else. He built an ark in obedience to save his family. By faith. He condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, this promised land in Numbers 13. Although he didn't know where he was going, he obeyed and went. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, a land he could not even see. Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of that same promise. For he was looking forward to a city whose foundations and whose architect is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself couldn't have a child, was enabled to become a father because he considered God faithful because he made that promise. And so, one man who was as good as dead, came the descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And all these people are still living by faith when they died. They did not receive what was promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. They admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, he offered Isaac, who had received the promise of God. He sacrificed his son, and he received him back, even from dead. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed Esau of Joseph's sons. By faith, Joseph, here it is from the beginning of our message, when the end of his life was near, he spoke about the exodus of the Israelites, and he gave instructions about his bones. And by faith, Moses, his parents hid him for three months. Because before he was born, because he was no ordinary child, by faith they trusted God. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He regarded disgrace for the purpose of God greater than all the treasures in Egypt. And because he was ahead of his reward, by faith they left Egypt, not fearing the king, not being afraid. Because they could see him who was invisible was greater. By faith, he kept the Passover. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea. By faith, the prostitute Rahab welcomed the spies. And then he says, what more shall I say? I don't even have all the time to tell you about the New Testament and all the people that lived by faith after. Hear me today, church. There's a chapter of Scripture that's devoted to all the examples that have come through, all of the history of those that lived and walked and acted by faith. And what do we see at every turn? The miraculous, don't we? We see God moving mightily. Here's the problem. There's a big other part of Scripture, much bigger than we could read, much bigger than I would have time to share with you. And we could title that the by fear sections of Scripture. By fear, Peter sank in the water because he took his eyes off Jesus. By fear, the disciples questioned Jesus and had no faith. By fear, the disciples abandoned Jesus at the foot of the cross as he's dying for their sins. By fear, the people of God stood at the edge of the promised land and would not enter in because they didn't trust God was faithful to fulfill his promise. There is a section of scripture that we see so succinctly to say, this is by faith, but I want you to know there's even a bigger section. 
that would point out all the different ways that the people of God have been held up because they've walked by fear instead of by faith. When you take an accounting of your life, think about the most incredible things that God has done in your life. Why don't you start those sentences by faith? There was faith involved in it, wasn't there? The moment you put your faith in Jesus, there it is. The moment you had the confidence and trust in God, you weren't afraid of what anyone thought. You got up, you were baptized. You said, I'm a follower of Jesus and I don't care. The moment you shared your faith with someone, you said, I'm not afraid anymore. I'm going to trust God. That's faith in action. Faith becomes contagious in the lives of the people of God as we trust God. Faith is us putting our active trust that he is able, he's faithful, and he will fulfill what he says he will do. Are you living today by fear or by faith? Are you living here today gripped by fear and held back? Don't wonder why you're being held back anymore. It's because fear is paralyzing you. But Jesus has the answer. Oh, aren't you happy that Jesus has the answer today? He is the answer for that. Because there's something that happened 2,000 years ago. I'm going to invite Pastor Rick to come at this time. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, it talks about how Jesus had to come. This is why he had to come, because we were trapped in fear. We were trapped in fear. We were trapped in sin. We had no hope. We had no ability to save ourselves. We were just stuck. It says, so Jesus had to come, and he had to be made like his brothers in every way, like you and I. And it says that this happened so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Today, someone here is held in slavery by your fear. Your fear of whatever it is, maybe it's your fear of death. It's your fear of failure. It's your fear of whatever it is might be, but it's holding you today. It's keeping you from moving forward in what God has for you. And it's been holding you year after year. But Jesus came to break the power of him who holds that power over your life, the devil. The Bible tells us that we're not meant to live with that fear. We're not meant to walk with that fear. We're not meant, here's what we're meant to do with that anxiety and with that fear. It says it in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, cast all your anxiety on him, Jesus, because he cares for you. And here's the next part. But be sober-minded and alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Bring your fear, bring your anxiety, bring your worry, bring everything to Jesus because he cares for you. He loved you and he has the power and has shown it through his death to break the power of the enemy. But it says, but be alert because the enemy's prowling around like a roaring lion looking for whom he might devour. One of the greatest tools that the enemy has, I told you, is fear. What's scarier than a lion? He prowls around like a roaring lion. Bring that verse back up for just a second. There's a key word here that's so important to pay attention to. The word like. Not as like a roaring lion. Here's what I've realized. We have an enemy who has been defeated. He was defeated on Calvary. He was defeated when Jesus rose from the dead. He's a defeated foe. You have to realize that today. And now he prowls around. You know, all he has left, he doesn't have power left. He doesn't have authority. He's not greater than God. He's not stronger than him. All he has left is fear tactics. All he has left is to scare the people of God into not following God anymore. 
He did it in the beginning to scare them out of their relationship with him. He does it today to you to hold you back. He's prowling around like a roaring lion. But there's a big difference in this lion. The lion has a roar, but he doesn't have a bite because his teeth have been knocked out. He has no bite anymore. He has no sting. He has no power. The Bible says, oh, death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? There isn't any victory anymore. Jesus has overcome. He roars around like a lion, but there is a true lion, the Lion of Judah, Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our King. He is victorious. He is great. He has all power and all authority on heaven and on earth. And we have a defeated enemy who prowls around, and he has a roar. And when he roars, it scares us. But you have to remember, as a person of God, as a child of God, he has a roar, but he's lost his bite. He's a toothless lion. And today, when we realize that victory, that Jesus has already won for us, you know what happens? Fear can leave. Fear can be gone. Fear can be cut off. You could be set free. And you can begin to walk in a place of faith, trusting God. And as you do that, it changes something inside of you. I was just talking with one of our pastors between services, that, that verse about the grasshoppers. It says, we felt like grasshoppers. We looked like grasshoppers. We became so afraid. And then they began to see us as grasshoppers. Do you know that you and I are a reflection of Christ? And I think about that. When I think of we're a reflection of Christ, I always think of the, the Swedish, you know, blonde-haired Jesus, you know, compassionate, praying for the children. But he is also the Lion of Judah. And you and I, when we stand in faith, do you know what happens if we're a reflection of Christ? The enemy doesn't just see us. He sees the Lion of Judah shining through us. We may not feel strong, but he sees the strength of our God that's coming against it. We see, he sees a reflection of that in us and through us, and that changes everything. We can walk with greater confidence, greater faith, greater trust in God. And when you do that, you begin to see that fear is something that can diminish in your life. I think about the disciples. They were as far from the cross on the day Jesus died as anyone could have been. For people that gave up their whole lives to follow him, they really, really missed it there where they're, they're following everywhere but to the cross. They're hiding in the crowds. They're tucked away. You know why? Because they're afraid. But later on in their lives, they each went to the cross. Many of them to a literal cross and others to their death for their faith in Jesus. And they did it without any fear in their hearts. They did it by faith. In fact, Peter said, I'm not even worthy to be crucified the way Jesus was. Turn me upside down and crucify me that way. I'm not worthy of being crucified. Like, does that sound like someone who's afraid? Fear was gone. There's a choice that I believe we can all make between fear and between faith between trusting God and taking him at his word and being confident in who he is, that he is the lion, or we can continue to hear the roar of the enemy and begin to shake and begin to be held back by all the promises that God has for us. Today, church, are we ready to rise up and to actually put our faith into practice, to trust God and take him at his word and let 2017, the story be written by faith, by faith, by faith, and see how God moves in your circumstances and in your life. God has done it before and he will do it again. The difference was, in Hebrews chapter 4 says, he says that the people that are here today, you and me, we've heard the same message, the good news. It was preached to us and it was preached to them on the banks, right there before the promised land. But there was one difference. The message they heard had no value to them. Because as they heard it, they responded in fear and they did not unite it with faith. And they didn't trust God. And they died in the wilderness. Don't die in the wilderness. Don't get held up. Don't let your life be less than. 
If today fear is something you'll continue to stand on, if fear isn't something that's overcome in your life, then you can always expect to be experiencing less than because fear pushes towards that. But as we respond, trusting God, taking Him at His word, elevating our faith and our trust in Him, we're going to see greater. Greater things are yet to come. Greater things will happen. We can hear stories of signs and wonders and God moving in power. But it will only be when we allow faith to be greater than fear and to choose this year to walk by faith, not by fear. Bow your heads again with me today. Jesus, I thank you today, Lord, that you're victorious in every heart and in every life. I thank you today, Lord God, that you love us so much, Lord God, that you came and you died so that the power of sin and the power of death and even the fear of death could be gone and we could be free from it. Today, I pray for those. There are some that are among us today that perhaps they've never asked you to be their Lord and Savior. Today, Lord God, may this be the day. Listen to me right now with your head bowed and your eye closed if that is you and you don't have this kind of peace. You don't, you have never put your faith in Jesus. It happens through you calling upon him and confessing your sins to him and inviting him into your life to come and be your Lord and your Savior. And when you do that, you don't... Fear is gone in the presence of Jesus. Fear can go. Nothing you can walk through in this life is greater than him. And if today's the day that you're willing to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, ask him to forgive you of your sins and follow him, it will be a day of life change for you. Maybe you've been gripped with fear and paralyzed by it your whole life. Get ready to experience the freedom that Jesus alone can bring into your life. No matter what you walk through, he'd be with you every step along the way. You don't have to do anything but call upon his name to acknowledge your need for him. And I'm going to ask you today not to allow fear to fill your heart. Don't allow fear to hold you back from this moment. If that's you and you know you're not right with God and you need to begin that relationship with Jesus Christ, if this is the first time you're back at church and you've been away from God for a long time and you know today's the day you return back to the Father, you begin to, again in your relationship with God, I want you to pay attention right now. This defining moment in your life, it calls for a, a step of faith. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Right now, if you're ready to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, I want you to lift your hand right where you're at. Lift your hand high above your head if that's you. you say, that's me, Pastor. That's me. Amen. I see some hands going up all around. I want you just to keep it up. I want you to keep it up boldly. In fact, altar workers and ushers, would you help me? Uh, you have some decision cards. I want you to go to those that hand are lifted right now. Don't be afraid of this if your hand is lifted. And just hand them one of those cards right now. If your hand is up, just keep it up for just a moment. If you're at home right now, I want you just to lift your hand in God's presence. He sees you right where you are. So keep your hand up for just another moment. I want each person that's lifting their hand, they're all around the room, to make sure they could receive Praise the Lord in the balcony as well, here on the main floor. Each one, once you've received that card, you can put your hand down. If you haven't received that, just keep your hand up for just a moment. Amen. Today's the day. I can change your life forever. Let's pray together and pray this prayer from the bottom of your heart. And let's all pray at church as a way of recommitting our lives to our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and forgive me of my sins that has separated me from you. I believe that you came and that you died and that you rose again for me. For me, I love you and I put my faith in you. And I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Church, can you celebrate the decision that's just been made?
Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for rescuing lives, Lord God, from death to life, Lord God. Thank you for your forgiveness over every life here. Would you stand here with me uh, all around the room? Let's all stand up in God's presence. Today's a day of response. Today's a day where I just believe for some of you, you've been stuck in that place of fear. And I believe that as we spend one last song, we're going to just spend a song of worship. And I want us to do something a little different than we'll do on on other Sundays. But I want to invite you to flood these altars. I want you to do this, not for me and not for this worship team, but for our God and our Savior and our King. That today's a day that you're saying, I'm moving from fear to faith. Step out and step forward and say, Lord, just as I step out, Lord, I'm stepping out in faith into what you have for me in 2017. I'm stepping away from fear. I'm stepping into a place of victory, Lord, that you have for me. And will we just come, and for these next three to five minutes, can we give God our best worship, our best praise? Can we just allow the roof to be taken off as we sing to our God, as we sing to the victorious Lion of Judah, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. The enemy's defeated. He has the victory. And so let's worship him with everything we have. Come on down right now. If that's you, especially if you felt stuck in fear, take a step forward in faith and say, God, today's the day that it changes. Let's come to these altars right now and let's worship the Lord. We hope you have been challenged and blessed by this message. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com.